Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Coding's Decoded. I'm Corey Brown, the Executive Vice President for Tanima Company. And joining us today uh, via the Zoom link is Travis Gold. Travis, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tanemic representative with Atlantic Coding Consultants out here in Maryland, D.C. and Northern Virginia. I've been doing this for a little bit over nine years now. Fantastic. Well, I know you've got a lot of experience that you're uh, agreed to share with us today. So we're very grateful for that. Looking forward to chatting. Yeah. Travis, welcome. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. I just thought I'd let, uh, let our audience know that uh, outside of, of this uh, interaction here, Travis and I are actually pretty decent friends. We know each other well, so we're going to try to keep this session light today. Um, this will be a bit more like a conversation between Travis and I. Um, also, let you, you let you all know, we're going to ask each other some questions about, uh, about what we do. And uh, we probably both know the answer to most of these questions, but for entertainment's sake, we've kind of split them up and we're going to let sure. each other talk just a little bit. Well, every time I talk to you, Corey, I tend to learn something. So, right on. You know, Likewise, out of mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I learned something useful when I talk to you. <laughs> so do I, as a matter of fact. <laughs> you know, it's much different. Uh, me being in an office in Kansas City and 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 working with manufacturing versus you out in the trenches every day with customers. Yeah. You know, getting work done, and uh, you have great perspective on things. I always enjoy our time together. All right. Well, I'm going to start you out, uh, Travis, with just a very broad question. And you can talk about this at length if you want to. Sure. But uh, essentially, um, other than color, other than making things look like look, look nice, why do we need paint? Why do we need paint? Well, I mean, the, the common answer, probably the easy answer would be, in addition to beautifying, we protect. Right. So kind of the difference between paints and coatings is paint makes things look a certain way, whereas a coating can provide that aesthetic value and protect from what? That's a whole nother question. Is it just protect from inside of a a house or, or a building scuffs or is it acid draining out of tanks? Is it UV and salt spray or all that? But definitely the protection aspect on top of the beautification, the aesthetic value is really why we need paint. Gotcha. Seems like we spend a lot of time talking about two things, either steel or concrete. And both of those things need protected for a variety of reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. Depending on the environment and they, they can need protection. They won't last more than a few months if they're not protected well in the right environment. And Travis, you work with a lot of architects uh, and engineers who are both also concerned about uh, the things that they're designing and, and building sure. for their customers. And I think they are also interested in, in that word protection, are they not? Absolutely. Um, something we see a lot with architects and any owners of any facilities is maybe they're, they're not protecting from uh, any acid attack or impact, but they're designing something to be beautiful, right? This is something that they've spent hundreds of hours of design work and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to design and build. And they want it to stay looking as beautiful as it does on day one. So there's a huge amount of value there. Um, Whether it's a sports team's trademark colors or a 
beautiful decorative archway into a historic section of a downtown, whatever that looks like on day one. It'd be really nice if it looked that way for 10, 15, 20, or 30 years. Absolutely. And so that way, I always like to extend that, uh, you know, the concept of protection beyond just what we're putting paint on, putting paint on yeah. steel, we're putting paint on concrete, and we're protecting those things. But at the end of the day, we're really helping those architects, we're helping those engineers, even the owners protect their reputations because they put, they put a lot on the line. They go out, you know, with these projects, they put their name on it, they want it to last. Sure. Absolutely. They spend, uh, you know, we work on a lot of jobs that get uh, numerous articles and write-ups and they're in movies. And I mean, these things live in our cities for hopefully a hundred years. And that architect is going to be 85 years old driving through the city with his grandkids saying, look, look what grandpa built. And if it's faded and rusty, uh, you know, that certainly is no good. At least I do that with my family and friends. If you ever travel with me, I always point out all the uh, really cool things that we painted and I like them to look nice. Yeah, uh, and so do the people that own the buildings, of course, and the people that live in the cities. Yeah, for sure. Well, those things are stacking up on your list, by the way. You've got the yeah. you've got quite a, a long list of, of projects that you've been on there uh, at Atlantic Coding Consultants for about the last 10 years. So if uh, if protection is the business we're in and we're using our industrial coatings to do that, what are I mean, what are some of the differences then? We talked about um, you know, consumer paints versus industrial coatings. What are the differences? Sure. Uh, you know, as you as somebody who's been uh, working on the manufacturer side for 25 plus years can probably tell some better details that. But what I always tell people is, uh, you know, we are engineering systems here. We are not just finding a coating, taking it out of the bucket and hoping it works. We're looking at exactly what the needs of the project are mm-hmm. and choosing coatings that are actually designed to do a certain thing right. in certain combinations to give the end result, right? It's not, we're not a one trick pony like, uh, we have you know hundreds of different choices, so we like to figure out exactly what we need. So if you come to me and say, "Hey, I would like to paint my steel," I'll come back to you with a list of questions, and you'll get annoyed. Why is he asking so many questions? Just yeah. just sell me some paint. Right. I'm not going to do it. I need to know. Yeah. I need to know what the right thing to do there is. It's an engineered system yeah. for the specific environment. So that. You know, that's my end. Your end is exactly how do you guys engineer those coatings and how does that stuff in that bucket do so many amazing things? How does it hold up so long? You know, yeah. uh, raw materials are a very fun thing to talk about now, but I know you guys choose the top of the line raw materials. We really do. We spend a lot of time um, in doing that as well. And we, we uh, cherish the relationships that we have with the folks who sell us those raw materials because, yeah. um you know, I tell people all the time, look at the tagline on our on our website, innovation in every coat. Uh, that's not just a tagline. You know, we spend a yeah. lot of time, a lot of effort and a lot of money making sure that we are bringing innovative raw materials into our formulations. That's not something that just happens easily. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it's a unique thing. It's a unique uh, process that we have here. And people rely on it. Uh Certainly, the Tanemic brand has built enough credibility that 
We could be talking to somebody who's used to using one product from Tanemic or one system, one application. And when they find out that we have something to, to solve another need, they immediately know that it's going to be high quality and it's right. going to solve their problem. They don't, they don't need to say, oh, I like these coatings from this guy and these from the other and this from the third. They trust the Tanemic name because that's how you guys have been doing it forever. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we try to be confident in, in that we are selling the high, highest performing coatings yeah. in the market. Um, it's reasonable for us to do that. I mean, the process of building something that is of high quality, it's not unique to the coatings industry, actually. Sure. I mean, there, there are quality leaders in every industry. Think about um, cars. I mean, clearly, sure. you know, if you're spending more money on, you know, a luxury model car, uh, you're getting a car that was built better using better components than you know base model vehicles. That's just a, a well-known uh, concept. And it's really no different in the coatings industry. What we do, what we have to do to make sure that our, our, our coatings perform better than any other coatings is to test them. Um, yeah. So we'll take a, you know, we'll go in search of a new resin, a new raw material that, that doesn't exist in the marketplace. Yes. And when we find one, we'll build a formula out of it and run it through a battery of tests until we break it. And yes. that's kind of the, wow. part, you know, the, the, the folks in the labs, uh, that's what they do. They get to break our coatings all the time. And that's when you learn, right? When you break it, you learn about it. And then you know how, sure. to, fix it, how to make it better. And so it's just this process we just go through over and over and over until, right, we finally built something here that uh, can't be broken by any conventional test method. It must uh, be high performance. Right. And, and generally, that's what we'll go to market well, with. And that's why we don't come out with new coatings every year. Uh, you know, or, or every month, you know, there's, it's not a constant barrage of try this new thing, try that new thing. It's yeah. very calculated, very uh, well thought out launches of products I've found, you know, it's uh, fools rush in, huh? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It is a difficult process. You know, taking something to market has to be slow, has to be methodical. We have to get yeah. feedback from customers. Um there's a lot of accelerated performance testing that we can accomplish in labs, but then uh, something has to also work out in the real sure. world, right? Sure. Travis, do you have any any customers who are early adopters? Yeah. Some I have some some people uh, don't mind being a guinea pig, so to speak, and others yeah. uh, others don't want to use anything that's been invented since 1966. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Literally. That, again, yeah. Again, that's not unique to the to the coding world. That's in, that's in every market. Yep. There were yeah. There were people buying iPhones before iPhones were popular. Sure. Uh, and, yeah. That's that's a good point. So this is this is not unique to us. We know it has no. to be slow and methodical. No. I mean the the saying is uh, they don't make them like they used to, but I really do feel like Tanemic does. Yeah. We we still do make you, things like we used to. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's true, Travis. And, you know, a quick tour through our factory would, would show you that that is true. We do um, we do handcraft coatings here at Tanima. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, at the end of the day, we're a small batch manufacturer. We, you know, we, we don't do, um, first of all, let me say this. I've only been at Tanima Company. I've not worked for any other coatings manufacturers in 26 years. Um, but I always have this vision of what goes on in large batch manufacturing sure. where they're doing, you know, sort of a continuous flow model 
there's a whole tank load of resin on one end and it's, you know, it's spitting out, you know, thousands and thousands of gallons sure. of fish on the other end. Um, and our uh, facilities are just a little bit smaller than that. Um, so we, we can craft batches of coating. Um, to the point in some departments at Tanemic Company, we are literally manufacturing a gallon of paint at a time in that just right color for your architect, yep. you know, in that high performance finish coat, that floral sure. finish coat in one gallon at a time and, and delivering that to job sites for logos and, you know, whatever it is that the, the architect or engineer needs to make that thing beautiful. So we're putting a lot of effort Besides the fact that we that we purchase expensive raw materials, we're also just putting in a lot of labor, sure. um, a lot of labor and a lot of love into every gallon that we that we produce in kind of a handcrafted way, and uh, and I think that's unique also. Uh, I mean, the difference is clear. You know, we're far from a commodity good. Yeah, we really try to be. What about uh, what about? Let's talk a little bit about the specific uses for some of our products, Trav. Sure. Um, primers, in general, as a large topic, what do primers do? Tell us about that. Sure. Uh, you know, probably most of the things we coat are steel, and the primer is going to be responsible for corrosion protection, right? That's really what it boils down to. Other times, the primer is just providing something suitable for the finished coats to adhere to. So often corrosion protection, but for things that aren't corroding, like we typically think of, uh, for example, for coating aluminum, right? We don't really have to worry about rust, but we do need to create something that sticks. Uh, so, and a lot of times we'll use epoxies just because they function like glue. They will stick to the substrate and uh, provide a suitable substrate for the remaining coats to provide whatever mm -hmm. needs we're going for, whether that's pure aesthetics, whether that's some sort of acid attack protection, whether that's impact, who knows, but yeah. uh, primers set the stage and very often provide the meat of the corrosion protection, right? Gotcha. Whatever has intimate can protect the metal the best. Yeah. Yeah, and there's several different ways for that, right? You can either uh, just straight barrier protection, literally just build a wall between. Like shrink wrap in your boat in the winter. Exactly. But then if you want to go a step further, there's things we can put in there, right? That actually interact. Absolutely. Yeah, like the granddaddy of them all, zinc-rich primers, uh, which is, you know, a term that people throw around quite often i don't know if everybody really knows what they're getting but a zinc rich primer is the ultimate corrosion protection for steel uh, you know providing galvanic corrosion protection like the other very commonly found corrosion protecting method uh, mechanism which is hot dip galvanized right mm -hmm. so you instead of get hot dip galvanizing and then kind of crossing your fingers when you paint it you can put a zinc rich primer on the steel and you can put that inside of a water tank for potable water storage. You can put it on the outside. You can put it in immersion in, in the ocean. You can do whatever you want with it. And then it's designed to receive finished coats on top of that, all the while providing a molecular level of corrosion protection, not just that shrink wrap. Yeah, absolutely. Really cool it's, stuff. It's a great primer for sure. Yeah. And, it, and we, you know, yeah. 
it's like 20 cents more expensive than uh than something that doesn't provide it doesn't make sense not to use it 20 cents uh like a square, square foot, foot. Yeah, yeah maybe something like that yeah gotcha yeah yeah and of course, we can't uh, ever let a moment in time go by without talking about Tinemic's original primer, uh, where we where we derived the name of the company from using good old fashioned uh, cement as yeah. erosion inhibitive uh, pigment for hundred and one years ago. That's right. Yeah, celebrated a hundred years last year. Working on uh, working on one hundred and one now. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, it's still around. Pretty. Pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, you know, that formula has changed some over, over time, but we still have series. You know, it's still a really great primer for steel. Um, so it's, it's really unique. And, and um, I've always been pretty passionate about um, our 27 WB. Mm-hmm. That's a water-based version using Portland cement. Um, again, it brings back the namesake of the company. And again, using that same concept that the company was found on to reintroduce a water-based epoxy um, that, that was, that didn't exist in the marketplace. This is, this is an innovative product, you know? Really, yeah. And we're building off of that, right? We have a few more c- cement bait, cement water-based epoxy materials out on the market right now. Uh, so they all have those really, really close ties to our hundred, hundred plus year old product. So what about intermediate and finished coats then? Talk about those for a minute. Well, that that is all depends on your answer to all those questions I told you I would ask earlier. Okay, what are you trying to get? To, what do you want the coating system to do? Okay, you want it to look beautiful for thirty plus years. Okay, well we're going to choose an intermediate and a finished coat that are going to help you with that. Are you looking to coat the inside of an elevated water storage tower? So you need the inside of that to stay very clean, free of rust, and of course not cause any human health or safety issues. So we're going to choose certain coatings that are designed for that. Um, you know, is this a heavy corrosion environment? Are we going to put an intermediate coat that provides some more corrosion protection? Probably very often we are. Um, and then finished coats, that's the last, the, you know, the first line of defense against anything from the atmosphere, whether that's sun, rain, salt, impact, chemicals, little kids writing on the walls with crayons, uh, you know, you never know monkeys crawling around on the pipes. You never know. Yeah. Projects all over the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I just heard you say sort of looping back to our, our very first question is besides color, why are, why are paints important? So you can put a finish coat on something that it, that gives it color, makes it beautiful, but then also protects what's underneath it. The intermediate coat and Absolutely. primer protects it from ultraviolet light. Sure. Yeah. Ultraviolet light, of course, that's the number one uh, coating failure that everyone has seen is caused by ultraviolet light. Mm-hmm. Uh, when coatings no longer look good, that's considered a failure. When they lose their color and they lose their gloss, it, that's a failure. The chemistry is starting to break down. They are no longer what they were when they were applied and their days are numbered. So ultraviolet light destroys all coatings that are outside, period. Right. It's just how long does that take? So do you, are you painting the handrails in the basement of your uh, commercial building in Washington, D.C.? Well, you know, we probably don't need to worry about UV light. 
are you painting the handrails on the rooftop terrace? Well, then you probably want to go with a floor polymer so it looks beautiful in 30 years, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. No. Uh, and there's also some gloss expectation there. In that absolutely. Too. It depends on if you're trying to put something that you want to have gloss and you want that gloss to last for a long time sure. versus if you don't, if you don't care, um, you know, maybe there's a, a really cost-effective solution for a coating system that ends up with an acrylic water-based finish coat. Sure. It's going to stay the same color for a long time, but it's probably not going to have a lot of gloss for a long time. Sure. And, but, you know... <laughs> You want color and gloss for a long period of time. Sure. Work up through a range of, of urethane technology all the way to fluoropolymer at the very top and provide you with something that lasts um, you know, 25, 30 and, years. And you know, the really interesting thing about that is what a big trend recently has been low gloss, right? Satin, matte, oh. whatever you want to call it. Lots of people want that. It's 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 hip, right? Okay. So they say, Oh, well, I don't need I don't need the gloss protection. Well. Actually, if you put a low gloss coating on there, you're closer to the point of it breaking down than when you started. So in my opinion, if you start with a low gloss, you actually need even more superior technology because I feel like you're almost closer to the edge. You need it to maintain that low gloss because let's say the gloss is 55. Well, you're not that far off from 35, but if you start at 82 gloss, right? Mm-hmm. 80 out of yeah. 100. Right. And you're pretty far off from 35, right? Yeah. You've got some time. Right. But if you're starting down low, if you put a low gloss product on there that does not have proper protections from UV, causing it to chalk and lose gloss, you're going to be disappointed because it's going to be dramatically different. It's going to be zero, right? It's going to be a black hole. Yeah. But if you choose something like a fluoropolymer, your aesthetic, your design of that low gloss that you think is cool. What meet, you, you know, your designer for your space wanted that. Well, it's going to actually stay that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that tight film provided by a very high gloss tends to be much more durable. It will stay that way longer, even in my opinion that I've seen in the field, even in the slightly lesser performing technology, you have a little bit more time. Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of your role too, isn't it, Travis? Is setting those expectations for customers, sure. making sure that they understand when they specify this type of coding, here's what to expect. Uh, based on budgetary yeah. concerns, you may not be able to afford top of the line systems. So maybe we have to step back a little bit and that's fine. Uh, but just understand, you know, what what you should sure. expect performance-wise, you know, and we have this data, right? We've done all lot. this testing. We've studied um, thousands you know, past five years. We've studied correlations between laboratory test results and actual real world performance. And we've determined that there is a correlation there. Um, so we can really help provide customers with good expectations, yeah. uh, depending on what their budget will allow them to do with their with their uh, coding system. Some of those studies are really cool. Uh Especially if you're like us, if you're a coatings nerd like us, those studies are really cool. Yeah. But um, you know, we get a lot of questions from uh, uh, people who are getting maybe sometimes pushback. They specify a, a beautiful Tanemic coating system that's been engineered for their job, and then somebody submits something else, and they say, "Oh well, you know, I don't know if these accelerated tests really matter for us." And, you know, yeah. this other manufacturer. They say that they're just as good. Mm-hmm. Say, well, you know, we have 19 
accelerated tests here for these products. And here's all the results. Um, They do matter because that's how you can be sure that you are getting what you paid for. Mm -hmm. Right. Because by the time the paint job goes out to bid or is awarded or it really goes through submittals, the price has already been set. The owner of the building is building this beautiful structure. Mm-hmm. They already paid a set rate for the coating. So right. for somebody to come in and say, oh, well, I know the specification, the specified product has 50,000 hours on this ASDM test. Right. Well, ours has 15, but any more than 15 is overkill. Well, who's to say? Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> says, says who? Well, you, really- you know. Uh, yeah, the, the, that architect is to say, and, and sure. that owner is to say, and you know they they probably want uh, proven high performance. Uh, Absolutely, data, and that's uh, the, that's how they get it. And those you tests know, are proven uh, to correlate with the real world. They're you not just stun you dream. with my understanding of science, Travis. Mm-hmm. Do you? Yeah, uh, this I is uh, I have a really really high level of chem- of chemistry knowledge and, and understanding of science. So I'll just lay this on you. You were talking about how high gloss coatings last can hold their color and gloss longer than if you start at a lower gloss level. Yeah. And that, I mean, that makes sense because it has to do with how much of the resin is at the surface of the coating. And yeah. I mean, people may not know this, but to pr- produce a lower gloss coating, we have to add materials to the formulation. And their job is to make the surface of that coating a little bit more rough. So Mm -hmm. the light bounces around and it doesn't look as shiny to us, but the most resin rich formula is a high gloss. And so when we talk about, well, what makes a difference between an acrylic polyurethane and a fluorinated polyurethane? And the difference is, um, I'm just kidding. I'm not really an expert on this, but I do do to some degree. This is all about carbon bonds. And the strength of a carbon bond to a to a to, you know to fluorinate a carbon atom, uh, that bond is much much stronger than say when you're attaching acrylic using carbon sure. bonds, right? And you talk about sunlight being the enemy. So ultraviolet light coming from the sun, it's got a certain amount of energy to it, and so that's what we're using accelerated testing to find out how much sure. energy coming out of a film with these carbon bonds, how much energy does it take to to break those bonds apart and to degrade that coating? And at the end of the day, energy can be measured, right? We can measure absolutely something called joules. So whether we are producing those joules uh, synthetically in a laboratory using light bulbs or whether we're measuring the joules actually coming from the sunlight, we are able to determine how long a, a resin-rich film will last when it's uh, exposed to Absolutely. ultraviolet right. light. Well, the and next best why, thing is waiting 25 years and seeing what happens, which yeah. is not really practical. No one has time for that. No one can <laughs> wait 25 years for us to test only in real-world scenarios before yeah. we release our top-of-the-line fluoropolymer. But with laboratories, we can accelerate the testing. We can uh, learn and understand a lot about that fluoropolymer and how Absolutely. to make it better. We build it and then we put it in the real world. And now, I mean, we've been selling floor, fluoropolymers long enough now to know yes. that, yes, the real world results do add up to the to the testing that sure. we performed so many decades ago when we were developing that technology. 
Yeah, it's not a fluke. You know, and the other interesting thing that I thought of where you're talking about the resin rich nature of the film is our coatings that are tested for graffiti resistance or anti-graffiti purposes. They're high gloss uh, fluorinated polyurethanes because that film is so tight at the top. You can clean most traditional uh, graffiti materials right off of it. You couldn't do the same thing with a low gloss material. It wouldn't happen. There's too much texture or porosity in the film. Right. Well, cool, Trav. Uh, thanks, man. I yeah, really please. appreciate talking to you. It's a good back and forth. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. I know you've uh, you've got a lot of customers to see, a lot of more paint to sell. So I'm going to let you get back to it, brother. Cool. Call me if you need any paint.